0: Shalom and welcome to the Yishai Fleischer Show Broadcasting live from Judea to the world You're a part of it wherever you are And I want to bless you wherever you are Because I know this is a tough time Not an easy time and minimally a different time And for some people really a hard time I just want to send you God's blessings from Judea From the land of Israel And uh, give you you personal love uh, right now So wherever you are, feel it Feel a little bit of of the embrace uh, Of the God of Israel and of Judea And we have a great show lined up for you here for your edification and entertainment. We have a great show lined up. First, we have Maka Fleischer, who's going to be joining us and talking about what Corona virus life is doing to Yom Haatzmut, Israel Independence Day. Then I'll talk a little bit about one of my favorite topics, which is the recognition of the international recognition of Jewish rights in the land of Israel at San Remo, which was exactly 100 years ago. And that will lead me right into Colonel Richard Kemp, who was with me on Zoom. He's a British warrior uh, who was in the British Army for 30 years, and amongst other things that he does today is that he defends Israel and Israel's rights, and also remembers the good part of the British heritage in the land of Israel. So we'll be talking with Colonel Richard Kemp. From there, we'll go, of course, to our beloved Rabbi Mike Foyer. Rabbi Mike is going to be joining us on the spiritual uh, meaning of this 100 years of of recognition, uh, and also on... Biblical skin lesions, that's right, a little bit of Tazria, Metzorah. So we have a great show lined up for you here on the Land of Israel Network on the Ishai Fleischer Show. It's great to have you. If you love the show, give us a good rating on whatever uh, podcast system you listen to. That would be great. Check out Ishaifleischer.com, all the other stuff. I have articles coming out. I have more videos coming out this week, including in this email that I'm sending out. Uh, This week is uh, my uh, Zoom tour of Hebron so you can come to Hebron, uh, and you could also come to Hebron when this whole thing clears through Hebron Fund, hebronfund.org. Come visit us, uh, and if you can't visit us then support us, be part of it, uh, be part of the story, and of course, all the stuff that that I'm doing is happening at eshaifleischer.com. It's easy, and it's, it's just a way to connect, and especially during this time where we're looking for connectivity, for content, and for learning, we hope to be providing you just a little bit of that. I know I'm getting it, from a lot of other people, and I'm really uh, trying to gain a lot at this time. In any case, we are in the mode of Yom Ha'atzma'ut, Yom HaZikaron, which is Israel Memorial Day, then Israel Independence Day, uh, and, and Jerusalem Day, and then finally leading all the way up to, well, before that also Lag Ba'omer, which is the uh, celebration of the mystical Torah, and then leading all the way up to Shavuot, that incredible holiday of receiving the Torah. So we're in, a, we're in a very important swing right now. And I hope the show is going to be part of the, that celebration. Including one more holiday, which is 100 years since international recognition of Jewish rights in the land of Israel at San Remo. That's on today's show. So here we go. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Yishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting from my little room. That's right. My little room is, uh, is where we're all at. Uh, but I have a little workroom here in, in our uh, apartment in Kishet south of Jerusalem, on the way to Hebron, between Hebron and Jerusalem. And I am joined by my beloved Malka Fleischer. Malka here Shul I am,
1: all the way from the other side of the house. Yes. Did Did you see that meme where they had like the
0: different uh like like airport codes? For live, like living room, kitchen, like kitchen was, oh, that's you know, CTH, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, living room was like. I didn't a,
1: see that one. I didn't see that one. A, but LVG, you that's know. That's funny. I didn't see that, but I did see the, uh, before Passover, there was a, uh, a meme about like different trips that you can take during Pesach this year. And it was like the laundry, like laundry pile hike, like climb, climb the laundry pile. Yeah, that's right. That's right. There's been a lot like of like the- splash in the the bath, that kind of thing.
0: There's been a lot of jokes about that, uh, and there's been like you see uh, the guy who is uh, p- you know there's a lot of people who pour oil and a little bit of water on the floor, and then they that's their new treadmill. That was
1: funny when that came out. Yeah, they-
0: there's a few of those.
1: Although I have to say, like, none of it is as funny. Like, if it- I feel like it was funnier at the beginning. Now it's like not as funny. Yeah. Yeah and and it's it
0: there's definitely a lot of psychology that's happening right now f- for different people um and i for example i see the kids starting to more kind of become zoom learners i right. saw yesterday uh Elazar Marson doing flute lessons on zoom leah does piano lessons yeah. on zoom and 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 it is all very very interesting but we really before we get to uh, the cuteness of it, or the the, the novelness of it, novelty. right? The novelty. Thank you. You thank you for teaching me. <laughs> and and uh, there is a lot of novel things to this novel coronavirus, right? Uh, but what's not novel at all is human suffering, right? And there's a lot of people who are suffering, um, and it's it's uh, it's it's so important to keep. People in your hearts and in your minds praying for other people. Right. I was very proud of you, uh, Malka, this week because you you had a chance to do some chesed, some kindness, and you went shopping for a, a couple. I wouldn't call them elderly, but an older couple who could use some help. Um, right. It
1: was very. I, it was a very small thing. I just went. To you the, know what?
0: It was a small thing, but I was, I was. I was. I was even. I was. I felt happy for you, and even like a, a kind of happy jealousy, which oh. I was like.
1: You want to do something nice for somebody. Somebody,
0: you, you did a kindness. I, I'm doing niceness. Well, you're niceness. keeping
1: people edu- educated and, and entertained. Entertained, that's right. No, I, 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 that's I d- important.
0: I do, I do think that. I do think that. I, I definitely think that. I, think that. I want to think that people need uh, companionship and, and, and brain stimulation. Right. And also Jokes. and also a real sense of uh, passion mm-hmm. and, and history. Right now, I am very, very passionate. I'm in this like throw of passion, you know. Everybody's got like these side interests. I have a side interest that has been interesting to me for a long time, which is like San Remo Accords. That led to the Balfour Declaration. Right. That led to the San Remo Accords. That led to the mandate and the beginnings of the State of Israel. It's been something that I've been kind of reading about for a long time, and I've formulated a lot of thoughts about. And uh, I'm like suddenly like hyper involved in it because this week is 100 years. Wow, 100 years. Since the Allied Powers, who uh, defeated, uh, the access, the, the defeated the Axis, uh, defeated uh, the powers, uh, including the Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman Turkish Empire, and on April 25th, 1920, in San Remo, Italy, they gathered, most of them, uh, the, main, the, the main high contracting parties were called, were England, France, Russia and Japan strangely hmm. and they got together to talk about what to do with the uh with the Middle East after the Ottoman Empire was dissolved.
1: Right. What year was that, Ishai?
0: 1920. Right. Well, it was dissolved 100 years. that's right, 100 years uh today. And then um and then 2 years subsequent they finally f- finalized what they decided in 1920 which was uh that there would be this new system, a very interesting novel system mm-hmm. cr- called the mandatory or mandates.
1: Right. And basically,
0: this was really interesting. Big old countries were supposed to tutor new little countries into independence. That's cute. Y-
1: yeah, well- uh, I mean, it's it's sort of uh, counterintuitive because right. you have these like empire type countries. You have- England, right, which had its empire, right, and Russia, which wasn't an, an empire, right, and who else did you say? Japan, uh, they weren't exactly occupiers. Well, they, Japan they, was on the other side, right. so not Japan.
0: They they wanted to very badly. They Wait, who did to. you say
1: was was part In of the Russia? Russia, Russia, England, and who else did this you was, say? This was already a, was this on was the already a Soviet Allied Russia. side. Who who created the mandatory France, system? England, France, France, Japan? definitely an yeah, empire. Yeah. Yep, the, you're right. So, and then they, I guess they like moved away from all that. They were shifting
0: gears. Mm-hmm. It was a tremendous shift of gears. It was
1: sort of like a benevolent big brotherhood where they felt that they would like reach down to these like little indigenous type peoples and like show them how to be civilized and run themselves. Partially,
0: yes, but, but they partially also believed that it would bring to world stability, which in many ways I think they were right. Um, and they, uh, they they were on the heels of uh, th- the horrors of World War 1 and they right. wanted a new system for the world no more secret agreements no more these big g- giant behemoths controlling let local people control their stuff you know mm. by the way there's d- d- there's an interesting uh, parable, uh, uh, not parable parallel to that and that is states versus a federal government mm. right states states power versus federal government power the a big Empire or little, little right. space. And, and really, th- that That's tension, it's, it's a tension that continues to, to exist in, in the United States, an important tension. Maybe the very tension itself is an important thing. Um, any case, listen, we're not getting into the political philosophy of it all. The, the bottom line is, is that it was recognized then that the Jewish people should have a right to have a right, have a historical right, not should have, but have a historical right. And that right. it
1: should be recognized.
0: And that it should be recognized and that it should be re- Constituted, reconstituted
1: from way back when. From way back,
0: but that way back never, never, never was forgotten. Disappeared from the. the especially for people, and here's the key. Especially for people who know and care and and feel connected to the Bible, the Bible is a key part of the story. Right. It's a key, really. It's a key part of the story. It's not the only part of the story, though. It's interesting. You know, I, I love talking with you about this because just talking about it out loud makes it kind of clear to me. There were people like T.E. Lawrence, famous Lawrence of Arabia. Yes. He saw it not in a biblical way. He saw that it was in England's interest to get rid of the Ottoman Empire and to take over their land. Mm-hmm. And the way that they were going to do it is by empowering regional actors under this idea who of subterranean. Who were who allies. Would be allies. Right. And so the Arabs would turn against. Mercenaries, if you will.
1: No, not mercenaries. Well, not mercenaries because no, they allies. give up total control.
0: Allies. Allies is the right word. To those people. Allies is the right word. They would be allies. They would be pro-British allies, and he wanted to turn the the Arabs into pro-British allies that would fight against the Turks and the Jews as well, who he saw not very differently than the Arabs, saw them as regional players, right, who would be favorable. So he didn't have a biblical outlook. It was a geopolitical outlook, right? Fine, okay. And then there were people like, uh, then there were people like um, um, Balfour. Arthur James Balfour, James Arthur James Balfour, and uh, and also David Lloyd George. These, <laughs> yeah, it's easy to remember the British. Easy to forget they have a lot of these like names, or right. or T. E. Lawrence. Another guy that I found that was very important person that, that kind of is forgotten by history is Charles Prestwich Scott, who was the editor of uh, the Manchester Guardian, which later became the Guardian. Oh wow! And he he was hyper pro. Zionism. Wow! Did you find any of his old articles? You know, Malka, it's interesting. You know, there's a there's a Jewish saying. Yeah. The the rabbinic saying. Okay.
1: The path the person wants
0: to take, they take him. No. So I was I was in a bookstore. Uh, and, and the truth is i don 't really go into bookstores so much today,
1: especially these days
0: right, and just in general i 'm like okay and
1: there 's so much to read and right. so Ex- much online and so much to do and be with the kids and, and the all house the stuff is full you- of books, and it 's right. like, like don 't buy, buy another book, yeah
0: but I went into a bookstore to find a certain book, and i didn 't find it, and out of nowhere, a wink wink <laughs> you see my winking i 'm winking at you slink winked at me this book by a guy who I semi know. Uh, which uh, his name is Elliot uh, Jaeger, which is sp- spelled Jagger, but it's Jaeger, like Jaegermeister. Yeah, cool. And the book is called The Balfour Declaration. Okay. And it's all about the actors and players, including, by the way, a whole chapter on the women who played a big role uh, in the birth of the Balfour Declaration. And I was like, all right, I'm going to buy it. So I bought it. Wow. And what what a world I swam into. You know what a world! What a world of 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 people and rabbis and Herzl's and Jabotinsky's and Weitzman's and and all these amazing, amazing people that like fought tooth and nail, and really, really, and and, and people that I didn't really know much about Nacham Sokolow and um, and others. So I was just like, wow! And the Rothschilds, various various right. Rothschilds, and the people who were against, by the way, some Jews, the, some of the biggest opponents to Zionism. Oh
1: well, were Jews. And and I can't even understand
0: what they were coming from. You know what they were coming from? Yeah. They, they thought that their local achievements of like becoming a great British citizen, a French citizen- ah, it
1: would it would like make them the Jew again, and they right. didn't want to be the Jew again. By the way, it happened in the
0: Arab countries. In the Arab countries, the minute Israel was announced- Right, they the were like, Arab, get out of them, here.
1: You're not us anymore.
0: I have spoken to many an old Jew who lived in Arab countries, in Afghanistan, in Yemen, in Iraq- I've spoken to them, and they all told me the same thing, Maka. I'm telling you, I spoke to them myself. They said to me, "The Arabs told us, Ruhul kutz,
1: go to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem, get out of here.' Yeah, you got. By your the way, place. leave us all your stuff, right, and your house, yeah, and and, and, and ba- ba- your business, ba- and get out, and your jewelry.
0: Ruhul kutz, go to Jerusalem. That's what they
1: told them. When I, when the guy in
0: Afghanistan, told me that, I could believe it. Like, in, 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 Afghanistan, bichl. yeah, Afghanistan used to be a really nice wow. place. So the the bottom line is, that and they did. They did. They, they definitely did, and they were encouraged to do yes, so. Yes, in
1: <laughs> very, very emphatic terms. So anyway, Maka, all
0: this stuff has has uh, has really uh, risen up in my heart about you know something that happened a hundred years ago, and I've been involved in the last few days in all kinds of broadcasts dealing with that, mm. uh, including my own broadcast. Of that course, you're together. not
1: really uh, like so far. I haven't seen anything aside from speaking to you. Right. Not that I'm Mrs. Read every newspaper. Right. But aside from speaking to you. I haven't seen anything about San Remo. And in general, I don't think so many people know about the San Remo Accords. Most of the time when people talk about the foundation of the state of Israel, they go back to the UN partition plan.
0: That's right. They do go back to the UN partition plan. That's right. Uh, and and that is a big mistake because the UN partition plan was valuable in that 33 countries at the UN you know recognize that there should be a Jewish state anywhere in the land of Israel mm-hmm. but the, but the but the main thrust of that was uh, was to shrink what was already promised to the Jewish people a second shrinking one shrinking already happened in 1922 when the British lopped off 77 percent of the land of Israel and gave it to their Hashemite friends and created a transjordan later to become Jordan uh, and then this uh um, UN partition this this UN uh, 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 expeditionary kind of Commission about Palestine basically came up with this idea of partitioning uh, the land of Israel and the Jews were really against it everybody was against it but they agreed because they said okay you know what I mean that, that's um, uh, the, that's the, the the what do you call it like no what's the word I'm looking for like like the, let's take what we can get type of thing
1: right it's uh, you needed something you needed to we had just all been killed by the Nazis and they needed some place to be
0: right that's right it was it was bitter. And they they, they uh, close their nose and they and they as did as
1: as as you so often state, Isha. You know the when the, when Israel finally did declare independence. Go ahead. Jews, like basically who got who had just gotten off the boat from Europe and had just been fattened up enough to like be alive on a trip from <laughs> Europe to to Israel, were given like as your your uncle always talks about that when he landed in Israel, he was given challah and, and milk, right? And milk, that's right. And then he was, uh, as I understand, he w- like most of the Jews were then sent off to war. Any able-bodied men were sent off to go fight, and the and the, you know, the chances were bad that, that the Jews were going to win that war. Right, oh,
0: very bad, very bad.
1: And here you had these people who just came out of the ashes, and they were about to go right back to the ashes.
0: And and many did. Right, we lost one percent of the population. Wow, wow, wow. Six thousand men died. Six thousand people died. Wow. In that war. That that was Israel's most tragic war. And there was like 600,000 people in
1: the country. Right, it was like...
0: Like everybody knew somebody that died.
1: It was like not even Jerusalem. It was like not even the population of Jerusalem today. Yeah.
0: Jerusalem today is a million people. So, um, gosh, 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 gosh. So... <laughs> You shy? Yeah, no. no hold, uh, it, hold it together. <laughs> no, I'm holding it together. But the, so you're absolutely right. The partition plan. I'm glad you brought that up because you reminded me of, of a good point that, that I'm added into the article just now. Took a note. But like partition plan did did not did not did not give birth to Israel. It was the catalyst for uh, enunciating is, announcing Israel's. Uh, independence, yes. Yeah, so it has a place in in the in in history, right?
1: It, it, yeah, it started. It started the wheels turning, basically. Oh, like it
0: started, but at that moment, it, no. But yeah. I, the you know I, the it. the
1: machine was right. was uh you know assembled, and right. someone had to turn the key on.
0: Yes, 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 absolutely. So so that was uh, that was uh, um, so forty seven. The nineteen forty seven partition plan was also a a general assembly resolution. So no teeth in the General Assembly by law, resolution, was just, it was just an idea, it wasn't even a real thing, and it was rejected by the Arabs. So these three things... Rejected strongly. Rejected strongly. These things, and, but they actually rejected it both verbally and, in, uh, and physically. Uh, physically attacking Israel. So it was a non-starter. The whole thing is a fraud, the, 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 the UN resolution. What about San
1: Remo? How did the Arabs re- react to that?
0: Well, that's a, that's a good question, and the answer is... That there were different Arabs at the time also. Some.
1: I guess they were in the business, so they were in the midst of getting their own care that's packages. exactly it. It's so exactly. they were like, they were all standing to benefit at that time right, from right. from all these and good the deals. And the vision
0: was very equitable. When Israel was going to be born, so were three Arab, new Arab states. Iraq at the time was called Mesopotamia. Right. Syria in Lebanon, and later also part of Israel was going to become Jordan. So four wow. Arab countries were born at the same time that Israel was born. So the idea Someone was-
1: everyone was feeling very, like- Right, and there was even some camaraderie. They were on the receiving end. Right, there was some
0: camaraderie at the time as well. And the sense, you know, now, now, now let's be truthful, soon after started horrific Arab riots. Right. The 1920- yeah,
1: in the 1920s there were, 19, so 1921 20,
0: and then 1929, and it became bad. And right. sadly, so
1: that does not seem to lend itself to the notion that Arabs were okay with the idea of no, Israel creating a state here. No, they
0: were not okay with it. Okay, they were not okay with it. As I've written many times, it's against their religion. <laughs> That's the bottom line. It's against the the religion. And and if you don't understand that, you don't understand the situation. It's against their religion to have a powerful Jewish state in the midst of their land that they think that they've controlled in the past. So that's uh, that, that. That they they definitely were not happy about that, but it doesn't matter because the Arabs are not the whole story here. Right. The A- Arabs buy in or not buy in is not everything. It's just not everything. Okay. The 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 real story was the full international recognition of Jewish rights in the land of Israel by the international community, and and that happened there. Just like as we said before, both recognition of of our historical connection and reconstitution. These were important things and I wish to God that uh, that that a lot more of these ideas would be prevalent today. by the way, in the original mandate was an idea of uh, that there would be there would be Jewish land purchase and that that the England had to help create close settlement quote unquote uh, of Jews in the land of Israel and that there would be also a law of return that Jews from all over the world would have the right to come to this place, etc cetera, etc cetera. and
1: one thing that like is unbelievably up for debate today. I, I still can't believe that it's up for a debate, but it is up for debate today, which is that Israel would be Jewish.
0: Israel was going to be Jewish. And Jewish. You, you exactly led to my next point. And, but what about the Gentiles living in the country? What about they the would, Arabs?
1: They would be treated well and, and be provided for civilly.
0: Civil and religious rights were to be guaranteed, but not political or so political or national rights. Meaning to say, you could be a resident.
1: It's called in Israel. We call it Ger Toshav.
0: Ger Toshav, you would be, you would be, you'd have all the rights and opportunities. But you want to be a voting member because you've got Israel's your country. Jewish, right? Israel's Jewish. And that's
1: like written into the law, right? Not by.
0: We're not. This, this Jewish state is not Jewish because it's a majority of Jews. In fact, when all this stuff was enunciated, we were a minority. It was understood that this place was going to be by charter. By, by its very- We're
1: changing it, yeah. Right. Making that, a change.
0: That's, it's going to be the Jewish state, this area. And not because you're a majority or a minority or whatever it is. It's, it's not by that. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not by, and, and Churchill wrote a letter. He said, it's not by sufferance, but by right. It's your right. It's your land. So you get to take it, okay? And the Arabs living there, God bless them. They have every right for their civil and religious rights. Right. Uh, but, but their states are other- and they're here as they they. Right. Were it's never not like you
1: can have your property necessarily just ripped out of your hands.
0: Ab- absolutely not. Your property was going to be protected. Any case, um, Malka, it's been busy, busy days at Chevron. There's a lot of meetings because we're trying to do something for Yom Hazikaron. Oh, that's nice. And there's a, and and the state of Israel is actually locking down for Yom Hazikaron.
1: Although I saw that um, culture, Mir- uh, culture minister Miri Regev really fought for local municipalities to be able to do fireworks displays right i hope that Chevron will do a fireworks display that's from the Mar- plan yes. and we're trying and to you film should, it. like film it and possibly i don't know if you'll be able to do a live stream or whatever but i hope that people will at least be able to see and and uh, throughout judea and different cities now you're not supposed to congregate and go see it right um but the idea was that look you, it's very interesting yishai yom Hazikaron, israel memorial day and Yoma Atzmoot, Israel Independence Day, are very, very high on the national observance scale. Right. You definitely have people who don't, right? And there's all kinds of politics and you have Haredim who don't necessarily celebrate, although if you go to the national parks you will see them like I walking through oh, they're just conveniently walking through and they're like looking at everything and they like secretly really want to be there. So many of them, but they don't like necessarily fully um put out their israeli flags or they, anything they may
0: not state it as a overt philosophy but they m- the majority of ultra-orthodox jews today
1: right make appreciate it, are, the state are, of Israel. exactly
0: are, it's clear that they and not only that and i'm going to say something that that they wouldn't that they're starting to say which is they're israelis
1: right and if you they're hear they're hebrew their right. hebrew is israeli hebrew
0: they're culturally israelis
1: Right. Although they speak, they may speak Yiddish in the house, but uh, when they go out on the street, yeah. they're able to make y- a deal Yiddish, like anybody else.
0: Yiddish is a is, is a small minority of the Israeli uh, uh, black haters. Right. Well, you know. And but but I was just in Bnei Brak uh, yesterday,
1: wearing gloves and a mask.
0: You bet I was. And Do- socially distanced. I home, had everyone. two masks. I was I was actually in danger <laughs> of, of dying from asphyxiation. But in any case, uh, I was actually in the belly of the Bnei Brak uh, beautiful beast. Um, but, uh, uh, I had to film yesterday, some stuff, uh, and I went to, t- <laughs> it was really an amazing experience. One guy, I, 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 just a super name, Brock, you know, it's, I haven't been there in a, in a while and a really, really, really very special place. And, uh, and, and it's just a, a urban kind of jungle of like, you know, old houses and new people. houses and people and buses and things. It's just like a real Although bustling Although I guess place. it wasn't so bustling. No, it was 10% bustle.
1: 10%, which is a low percentage. Maybe so less possible.
0: than 10%. Maybe 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 6%. Wow. So I, there were a few people out, basically. Yeah, yeah. But
1: still but lively. still lively. Yeah, they've got to live.
0: There's a few shawarma places open and I didn't go in. Yeah. Couldn't do it.
1: That was smart of you. Um, You know, Ishai, so regarding Yomatsma'ut and yeah. the there was a very, look, I grew up in the United States, right? And we had Memorial Day and memorial day now maybe things have changed um because i haven't lived in america for over t- like for 17 years i haven't lived in in america um and but when i grew up memorial day was a little bit a day that there were sales at the mall right right it was like a little bit a day like there were there were memorials right and you could go to um to events that were held but it wasn't the focus it wasn't It wasn't mainstream. I think that's the the real way to say it. It wasn't like a mainstream thing to do to like spend part of your day doing memorial to fallen soldiers. Right. But in Israel, it is absolutely mainstream. Um, And the fact that uh, David Ben-Gurion stuck Israel's Memorial Day on the absolute hip Of Israel Independence Day was a a stroke of real genius. Yeah,
0: genius, absolute genius. Um, I have
1: some major, major issues with David Ben Gurion myself, but that was like prophecy. Absolutely. That was like, he was so right. So, but so, so. There's so many families in Israel and it happens to be not just Memorial Day for uh, soldiers, but also for victims of terror. So when you when you put together the fact that so many people have lost a relative or even like not a nuclear family relative, but like a cousin or a second cousin or a great grandparent or something like that to the fact that there are terror, you know, terror victims as well you have a large swath of the country for whom memorial day is a very personal day and even for people for whom memorial day is not a personal day because pretty much all of us understand the tenuousness let's aside from the fact that hashem watches out for us right that hashem has per, like basically shown us that our our situation here is tenuous that there's enemies, that we could be attacked at any time, that, that things are dynamic here and not always for the good. Um, Memorial Day, because of this, Memorial Day is something that people take very seriously. You know, freedom isn't free, as they say in America. We, we recognize this very much. Moreover, we have many people who alive today who were there for independence, right? So it's, it's, not, it wasn't, it, it's not a legend for us. It's real life. So it was a very painful decision this year to sh- To shut Shutter. cemeteries. Yeah. Um, now this was a big deal because they had they felt they had to do it for coronavirus uh, protection. At the same time, you know the the, f- the cemeteries are filled on Memorial Day, right? Especially the Israeli right. military cemeteries, but right. not only. The cemeteries are filled, and people go and they stand by the graves of their loved one, and they they clean them, and they they cry, and they like say to him there, and the siren goes off across the country, and they yep. stand, and and soldiers are dispatched to every every uh, bereaved family is dispatched a soldier who stands with them. You wrote an article about when you were one of those dispatched soldiers when you were in your army service as a right. young man, right, younger man. You're still a young man, younger man, younger man. Um, so they shuttered the cemeteries now now this was now apparently the bereaved families organization like issued a formal uh, support for this because everyone understands the situation at the same time it hurts so much that police basically said that they are going to shut the cemeteries but will not physically bar family members who like push through basically if there's someone who feels so strongly that they have to get to the grave of their loved one, then they're not going to stop them, right. which I think is a kind of beautiful um, yeah. piece and, of sensitivity. And that
0: ties into another law that they had in Israel, which is hard, so, I can it's hard for me to even talk about it, but basically they're allowing people, if somebody's dying of coronavirus, they're letting the family member, like, say goodbye or something like wow. that. Wow. They had a whole discussion about that. Uh, but shalom we, Nida. Shalom Nida. and you shouldn't know from it. And uh, there's been a lot of sacrifice around uh, 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 Jewish history. And there's a lot of sacrifice today for health. We honor the health workers around the world who are trying so hard to to keep everybody, to keep societies afloat. Right. And we honor all the parents who are dealing with their kids. We honor all the husbands and wives who are dealing with one another. And we yes, honor, I honor you each for I, dealing with me. I honor you for dealing with me. That's the real truth. <laughs> um, I want to
1: honor also like the school teachers yeah. who are trying to educate from afar and have to like learn on one foot. They have to learn all this technology and handle this new kind of teaching. I spoke to the, to the um, principal of our son's school who says that she works 12 hours a day right now. Wow. Dealing with like school related things She's working so hard And like no one realizes Because no one sees her And like no one hears from her Wow Um, And I told her that she's doing holy work That she's really like Keeping kids learning Keeping them afloat And keeping the parents Right And that's really That's humongous today
0: There's a lot of beauty to this To this tricky and challenging time Uh, I got a letter from my Russian friends in in America They said Here not so good We are dealing with this zaraza Zerazzo means infectious disease. Aye, 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 and aye, aye. many people dying. Aye, 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 said, aye, we, aye. P- we, we look to him. That's what he wrote to me. That's my God buddy, my buddy f- Fred. God Fema. should
1: bless you wherever yeah. you are. Yeah. Only he knows what this is all about. Right. I hope that we will all be wise enough and blessed enough to look inside and see if we can find our own personal reasons um, why this is going on and what we can glean from it and how we can improve ourselves, how right. can we get closer to right. where we're supposed to get.
0: And also... Uh, um, maybe a shameless plug for the state of Israel which is like maybe this is a time to really dig down and think what is the rebirth of the Jewish people and the land of Israel all about for me right how do I connect it how do I add to it how do I be part of this amazing story this is in my opinion the, the uh, and not just my opinion <laughs> but it's the, the call of the generation the opportunity of a generation it's we're really part of something so huge and as rabbi mike said in the last half hour we're really uh uh, uh the dream of two thousand years is being fulfilled in us and so we we gotta we gotta really uh you know uh, uh what is the word uh, uh play hard or go home what is it uh, Play yeah. uh, go big or go home Yeah, go big or go home go big or go home and this is really don't miss really your big. chance God bless you, Malka Fleischer. Happy, happy 72nd. Yes. Israel Independence Day, the embodiment of the Jewish people. Happy 100 Wait, what years what is next since week? Is there going to be
1: a show next week? There
0: will be a show, uh, Bizrat Hashem, on Yom Atzimot. Oh, yeah,
1: that's going to be fun.
0: That's right. All right, folks, more great stuff here on the Land of Israel Network. Malka Fleischer, thank you for joining me. Please uh, leave us uh, f- at least seven star ratings, 19 star ratings on, uh, on iTunes, et cetera, wherever you find this podcast. I just mean to say, you know, yeah, help be, us out yeah be, be, wink wink you know and that'll
1: that'll only help our help this content get farther. That's right.
0: and also uh, go to yeshaifleercom uh, if you want to donate buy me a cup of coffee uh, for this <laughs> week's show that sounds really great um, and check out our sponsors Hebron fund hebronfund.org bringing the Jewish people back to Hebron in many different ways including touring you in English when there's regular tours and also check out this week I had did an awesome uh, an awesome YouTube uh, zoom then to YouTube video of a tour of Hebron I'll be sending that out Ooh, that's right forward. yeah that's gonna be really that'll fun that'll be
1: something nice to do on Yom with your kids if you're out there somewhere that's, that's right wherever that's you a are good
0: idea Malka and uh, and uh, check out T'Chelet True Blue Jews uh, we gotta Jewish get some new seat
1: for the kids Ishai Shavuos
0: that's right you're right thank you we gotta order that today and that's the blue string that's T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T dot com and also check out Jewish Press, JewishPress.org, uh, who does a great job of getting this show out to the world. God bless you, Malka Fleischer, and you, continued you, health too. for Thank you and for uh, this family and for all the families of Israel and lovers of Israel around the world.
1: Looking forward to all of you coming back to Israel. I know there's so many of you not listening. just virtually, not no actually, and like I want to hug.
0: That's right. As we say, as we say in in Corona life, next year, in person. Right. More great stuff is on the way. God bless. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. And shalom. shalom.
2: Tune in for a special Holocaust Memorial Day episode of Israel Uncensored with Josh Haston for an interview with Israel's oldest living broadcast journalist, Walter Bigham who describes his experiences growing up in Germany. Let me give you an example how we had to entertain ourselves. We might sit in a tram where you had to be in a special place, and some Nazi might sneeze. Gesundheit. So we would, with half Yiddish and half local dialect, say, Gesundheit. And the man would say, Thank you very much, you know, in German. And what we actually said was not Gesundheit, we used to say Zumtoit, to death. For the full show, click on Israel Uncensored with Josh Haston on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.
0: All right, folks, we are celebrating 100 years since the San Remo Accords, which was the first and and maybe deepest international recognition of Jewish rights in the land of Israel. And this segment, I am joined by Colonel Richard Kemp. Richard Kemp Kemp is a retired British Army officer, served from 1977 to 2006, completed 14 operational tours uh, around the globe. He spent most of his life fighting terrorism and insurgency. Uh, he's commanded British troops on the front lines, including Afghanistan, Iraq, Balkans, and Northern Ireland. Uh, he even shared an intelligence group. Maybe not everybody in the world knows about it, but it's kind of famous in England. It's called the Cobra Intelligence Group, which is responsible for coordinating the work of national intelligence agencies, MI5 and MI6. That's cool stuff. His book, Attack Red State, about war-torn Afghanistan, was a, a Sunday Times bestseller. But for the purposes of this discussion, it's also important to know that Colonel Kemp is an outspoken critic of the international community's stance on Israel and regularly writes and comments on this issue. He's involved with several pro Israel organizations. I've heard him speak about this many times. And in sen- a sense, for me, uh, Colonel Kemp is exactly a throwback to those incredible men that lived 100 years ago and desperately wanted to see the reconstituting of the Jewish state in the land of Israel for various reasons. For various reasons. We're going to get right to that in a second. Colonel Kemp, welcome to the show.
3: Yishai, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's really good to be uh, your guest on this. And um, as always, it's great to be talking to you. Even though I can't see you in person, I can see you on the screen. And it's really good. As you pointed out to me just now, you're always a fun guy. So it's a great That's pleasure. Right.
0: That's right, that's right. And I, and I love your room back there. It, it really There's a lot of uh, war type of uh, paraphernalia there. You've really been in battle for, for more than 30 years now with your other battles that you're in. And it reminds me of some of the great generals of the past, for example, General Allenby. And General Allenby is, is leading the British in World War I, pushing back the Ottoman Turks, and he's coming up the coast from Egypt. He's coming up to to Jaffa. He's coming through Gaza. He's fighting there, having a tough fight, coming up to Jaffa. And finally, he's making it up to Jerusalem. And all the while, when he's he's in process, there's already um, a kind of uh, effort to turn on the idea that the Jewish people are going to be given the opportunity to reconstitute their presence in this land after the British free this land from the Turks. So I kind of wanted to ask you about your perspective on, on 1917. You know, 19, 1960, 1917. Those ideas at the time, and that and that British general who's walking up to Jerusalem, and when he finally gets off to, uh, to when he finally gets into Jerusalem, dismounts his horse in order to give respect to this holy city.
3: The um, the year 1917, I think, probably was the most single most significant year. Uh, that led to the recreation of the Jewish state eventually in 1948, um, and there were two things really, and you've you've certainly touched on one of them, and you've also touched to an extent on another one. Two things occurred in 1917, which um, which led to, the, I think, more than anything else, to the recreation of the Jewish state. The first of them was the, the Balfour Declaration, the the British government's policy decision to to encourage uh, and enable the establishment of Jewish national homeland in the then uh, land of Palestine. Um, And and secondly, and, and I think actually at least as important, possibly more important than the Balfour Declaration, was the campaign you just spoke about, General Allenby's campaign, to throw the Ottoman Empire out of Palestine and other parts of the Middle East Um, and and reconquer it, conquer it for for Britain as part of the war effort. Let's not forget that that campaign was part of a defensive war after the Turks attacked the British in Egypt. Um, So it was a defensive campaign in which the British were victorious. When I say the British, obviously it wasn't just British, British British. It was also Australians, New Zealanders, people from other countries as well, part of the British Empire fighting. Um, And one element of, of that battle which which isn't really well known over here, it's probably well known in Israel, but isn't too well known over here. Was the the, the role of uh, Jewish people from Palestine that formed an intelligence group called Nili. And Nili was a fundamental uh, element of General Allenby's success. Without the intelligence that was passed by Nili, um, the Aronson family, um, who were the, the, the sort of backbone of Nili, without the intelligence passed by them, uh, General Allenby's own chief of intelligence uh, has said that he would not have been able to win that conflict uh, in the way he did. Eventually may, maybe one, but with few, many more casualties and it would have taken longer. So that's a fundamental thing. And the other point I think we should um, bear in mind when we talk about this subject is that uh, not in 1917, but the next year in 1918, um, when Allenby concluded his campaign and, and threw the Turks completely out of the region. Um, a, a fundamental part of that was the Jewish Legion, part of the British Army, the first formed Jewish fighting force since the time of the Maccabees. The 38, 39th, 40th and 41st Battalions of the Royal Fusiliers, collectively known as the Jewish Legion, who were formed by uh, Colonel John Patterson uh, in 1917 and actually fought for the first time at um, Megiddo. In, in 1918 and those uh, brave Jewish soldiers, many of them came from the UK, many came from Palestine itself, some came from the United States of America, Russia and other countries around the world to, to form this incredible organization that, that played a, a key role in defeating the Turks and of course went on to become in some respects the founding fathers of the IDF. Many of the people that fought in the Jewish Legion and of course fought later others, younger ones fought in the Second World War. Many of them from both of the wars uh, were were pretty important in in founding the IDF. And just very briefly, if I may, John Patterson was a a British-Irish colonel, um, not Jewish, uh, Christian, who after the war, he went to um, live in the United States of America, and he died in the USA. He was buried in California, and he became a close friend in the US with uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's father, Benzion Netanyahu, the, the famous Zionist and historian. Um, and he became so close to him that uh, that he he asked him to be, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not an expert on um, the Jewish religion, but the equivalent in in Judaism of a, of a godfather, as we would have, it, to his oldest son, Yoni. And in fact, his oldest son was named Yoni after John Patterson. Um, and of course, Yanni subsequently became the hero of Entebbe. Uh, and then, um, after the uh, after when Patterson died, he died in 1947. His wish would be, was been was to have been buried among the Jewish soldiers he led in battle in Palestine in 1918. But because of the time, it was 47. As I said, it wasn't possible. But a few years back now, his remains were exhumed from California and reinterred in a Jewish military cemetery where his soldiers had been buried in a ceremony presided over by Prime Minister Netanyahu, and I was very fortunate in being able to be there myself.
0: That's awesome, and that's awesome that you were there. I I, I forgot the part that you were there. I knew the rest. That must have been a special feeling for you because, you know, uh, the UK, the story of the UK's involvement in the rebirth of the Jewish people is very significant. I have a fabulous book, Right here, which is called The Balfour Declaration by Elliot Yeager. Great book, by the way, and and talks about some of the fabulous uh, British people that were involved. Uh, And we'll get to a second what their motivation was. But there's also been dark times. You and I before the show discussed that we wouldn't get into it too much. But you're the kind of British person who sees uh, the story of Israel as a, a just story, a rightful story. And it must have been very special for you to be at that re-internment of uh, of General Patterson in the land of Israel, a a British soldier. By the way, famous for many other things, not just Zionism, including killing these uh, man-eating lions. Uh, And yet he's, you know, he's buried here in Israel. It must have been a special moment for you.
3: It was was an incredible moment. I knew a lot about John Patterson. And, of course, I knew a lot about um, many other British military and political leaders who have also been very, very strong supporters of uh, of Zionism and then later of the State of Israel and, and the Zionism of, of Israel. Um, and, you know, the, coming to mind uh, immediately is Ward um, Wingate, another very famous British officer who, um, in the 1930s, again, not Jewish, Christian, in the 1930s, he was, um, uh, you know, on off, on his own initiative, because of the the feeling he had for the Jewish people in the land of Israel, he um, he taught the Jewish farmers and people living in uh, in the land at the time. He taught them how to defend themselves against marauding Arab bands who were trying to kill them and drive them out back in right. the 1930s. Um, yeah,
0: he was the original like was, anti-terror trainer.
3: Right, absolutely, and he taught them to not just defend yourself. At, in your village, go out and get the enemy. Go out at night, get them, kill them when they're not expecting you, and deal with them. And that was, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of his philosophy was became the the kind of policies that are still used today by the idea. And in mm-hmm. fact, David Ben Gurion, the first prime minister of Israel, said that had Ord Wingate, remember a British Christian officer, had he not been killed in the Second World War, he was a, he was killed in Burma in the Second World War as a general in the air crash, and later buried in. Uh, Arlington Military Cemetery in Washington, he, um, Ben-Gurion said, had Wingate not been killed in the Second World War, he would have been the first chief of staff of the IDF. So the first chief of staff of the IDF would have been a British Christian officer, which is actually something incredible to think of. But there have been others, you know, obviously people like David Lloyd George, who was the main figure behind the Balfour Declaration, Balfour himself, Winston Churchill. More recently, we had people like Margaret Thatcher Tony Blair, our current Prime Minister Boris Johnson, um, many many prominent British figures, but perhaps the best of our leadership, have always been staunch, strong supporters of of the Jewish people and of the state of Israel. I just want to mention one other military figure who no one will have heard of, I'm sure, but he's somebody who's quite special to me personally, and he was a guy from my own regiment. Um, I was a member of the Royal Anglian Regiment, um, which was formed from uh, so a, a number of earlier county regiments, including the Suffolk Regiment, and the Suffolk Regiment during the, uh, the the period of before Israeli independence was was based in Palestine, was over there, and they were told you're moving back, you're going back to Britain, um, and you know there's there's then going to be a war, the Arabs are going to invade, and they were basically told that the Arabs are going to defeat the the Jews in that war, and. In fact, Field Marshal Montgomery, the head of the British Armed Forces at the time, he gave, I think, the, the Jewish people just a matter of weeks to hold out after the Arabs invaded. Anyway, one of these guys in the Suffolk Regiment, my regiment, was um, called Ringo Watson. Again, he was a Christian, British, I think a corporal or a private at the time. He wasn't a senior officer, right. but he, he realized what was going to happen and he was not willing to go back to England and just from a distance, watch the Jews getting annihilated. He had to fight. So he deserted. When his regiment went, he stayed illegally. He kept his machine gun with him. He went and joined the the Haganah. And he fought in the Battle of Jerusalem, was wounded in the Battle of Jerusalem, fought throughout the War of Independence. And after the war, he remained in Israel for a while. And then later, he as, as these things tend to happen, he met a Jewish girl and married her. Um, and... Uh, and then a bit later on, they decided they would go back to England. He didn't really want to just live as a, a kind of a, um, you know, a criminal, effectively for the rest of his life, uh, away from his 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 own home. So they went back to England. He actually took his machine gun back with him as well that he that he'd taken to fight in the War of Independence. In those days, you could take a machine gun on a plane, um, no doubt dismantled. But um, and he handed himself in. He was court-martialed, did a short period in prison because. You know, if you go, if you if you desert for selfish reasons, that's different. But if you desert to fight, then you're looked at a lot more leniently. And so he did a short time in in military prison, and then served on in the British Army together with his wife there. And he became a sergeant major and retired just a few years ago. And died a few years ago. And he, wow. he His name was legendary within my regiment. Ringo Watson, John Ringo Watson. Is his name, no relation to the Beatles, any of the Beatles. <laughs>
0: That's an amazing story. That's, a, that's an amazing story. Now, now, that leads me exactly to my next question. There were various motivations at the time for British support for a, a Jewish uh, state in, the, in Palestine, in the land of Israel. Uh, they were various. For example, T.E. Lawrence was actually in favor of Zionism as well, really because he was in favor of uh, supporting local peoples to rise up against the Turks, the Ottoman Turks, support the British, be allies to the British. And so he saw the Arabs and the Jews not very differently. He saw he helped turn the, the Arabs against the Turkish uh, rulers. And so too he said, okay, the Jews are also part of the equation here. They're an indigenous people in this land. They're living here. They could be good for the, for the British Empire. And he supported both of those indigenous peoples as, as having self-determination and, and turning, turning against the Turks. That's one very geopolitical reason. Another geopolitical reason was that it, the UK wanted continued control over the Suez Canal, and the uh, friendly Jewish state, the proto-state, would help them ensure control over the Suez Canal. But then there was one other motivation. There's others, but, but one clear one, which was a love and a connection with the Bible. And you had that with uh, David Lloyd George. You had that with Balfour. Uh, these are people who were steeped in biblical tradition, in, in, in reading the Bible. Uh, Balfour's mother read him the Bible every night. And uh, they, they recognized these places and they felt that this is their great, and here it also bifurcates into two different rationales. One is the great opportunity to reconstitute the Jewish Commonwealth, and another one is to fix some of the wrongs that were perpetrated against Jews by Christendom. And they felt themselves to be emissaries people who could fix a, kind of, uh, fix a historical wrong, right a historical wrong by doing this thing. And they were very, very passionate. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about these various motivations of the British Empire at the, at the time in 1916, 1917, 1920 uh, at, the San, at San Remo uh, for, for the creation of a Jewish state.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's no, no question at all that, that it, the mot- motives were, were varied, including self-interest on the part of the U.K., um, and I should, you know, I should just say again that um, it was really Lloyd George, the Prime Minister, and remember he was fighting a tremendous fight in the First World War. It was, it was certainly not the the, the outcome was certainly not um, uh, able to be foretold. It was, there was no absolute definite, uh, you know, prediction that we would be victorious in the First World War. Many, many thousands and thousands of British soldiers, American soldiers, later French. Uh, were being slayed in the war, as well as Germans, of course. Um, so it was a terrible time. And, you know, I mean, I think the challenges, even even today, challenges faced by, for example, our Prime Minister over here, Boris Johnson, and your Prime Minister there, Benjamin Netanyahu, with the coronavirus thing, I think pale into almost insignificance compared to the, the tremendous challenges he faced. So he was looking for every possible um, way he could of, of achieving victory. And... Uh, you mentioned the the the, the, the desire to uh, maintain control of the Suez Canal, obviously very important. But another very important thing was to um, was to, uh, to to keep allies on side and try and harness our allies around the world. And and the Jewish people were seen Jewish people in the United States, I think in particular, but also elsewhere, were seen as being fundamental to that because they they played in in many cases they played significant roles within their own society. And I think that that was part of the motivation, not, not the whole motivation at all, but part of the motivation for the Balfour Declaration and for, you know, for, for Britain essentially befriending the Jewish people in this way. And I think um, you know, one thing we shouldn't forget because people will talk about the Balfour Declaration as a, you know, a, an embodiment of British foreign policy, which it was, but it wasn't British alone. Before Balfour made the declaration, he secured the agreement of all of the major countries in the world that we weren't fighting at the time. So that includes um, the United States of America, it includes China, it includes, you know, pretty much every other major power, France and so on, that we weren't actually involved in combating. So it wasn't, the Balfour Declaration wasn't just, it was portrayed purely as a, a British political instrument, but it wasn't just that. It was, it was as, and as it was later in, enshrined in, um, in San Remo, it was, uh, you know, it was an international agreement and he garnered international support for it. But I do agree with you also that um, I'm sure both, you know, Balfour and Lloyd George were both Christians. Uh, and Lloyd George in particular, he was a Methodist from Wales and he saw a lot of commonality in both the religion and in the nature and character of his own country, Wales, with the, the, you know, the future Jewish state. And so he ha- I think he had a great deal of sympathy and you find people like um, Ord Wingate later on, um, and, and John Patterson. These also were religious men, and they were partly motivated by their, the inspiration of the Bible. Uh, and that, that does go for many, I think, many people, many non-Jewish people who are fervent supporters of Israel. Personally speaking, I'm a Christian as well, but my support for Israel is not, I mean, it's it's obviously... If anything reinforced by my knowledge of the Bible which is not as great as it should be but uh, certainly not as great as people like all Ro but um, I you know my, my motivation is not my personal motivation is not about the Bible I''m, I'm I can, I am a Christian I am a Zionist but I don't consider myself a Christian Zionist in other words motivated by Christianity I, I you know a lot of it a lot of my motivation is knowing right from wrong and of course that comes from my Christian upbringing as well but I, I do recognize um, the, the first of all, the, the rectitude of the Israeli cause and the wrongness, the, the absolute black wrongness of those people who want to destroy the state of Israel, even today. And there are many of them, not only in the Middle East, but in the West as well. But also um, the virtue that Israel has for the whole of the world. And, you know, I've I've worked closely with the IDF with other Israeli state organizations, including intelligence services, in my professional career. And I know how much our country, Britain, and also the rest of the Western world, and most of the world itself, and not even outside the West, owes to the state of Israel in terms of, you know, forget about trade and economy, but in terms of just things (coughs) like uh, technology, military technology, um, medical technology, intelligence, Israeli intelligence has saved so many lives around the world. And, and we're fighting the same fight. Israel and the UK uh, and Europe and, and the US and the Western world is fighting the same fight against the same enemy. And to me, it's important that we stand with our, our friends uh, and, and oppose, you know, in union, oppose our enemies.
0: I think, that's, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think also, in general, I've, I've come to this conclusion in life that when something is true, it has many layers. It has many layers of truth. And it could be true on a biblical plane, on a reconstitution plane. It could have been good for British uh, uh, foreign policy, with their strategic global situation. And, it's, and what you're saying is, is another side of it, which is the justice of the Israeli cause, and also the, the how, how should we say it in one word, the, the usefulness, the, the, the good, the light that comes out of Israel for the world. It's important to to for people that aren't so familiar with it to understand that the Balfour Declaration was fully included into the San Remo Accords, and uh, uh, Arthur James Balfour was actually there uh, in San Remo and making sure that that was going to happen. It was incorporated the idea that there was going to be a Jewish state, and that happened 100 years ago. Really, today, 25th of April, 1920, in San Remo, Italy, uh, and later, two years later, a document was was formulated. Uh, the mandatory document, which is a fabulous document, which recognizes Jewish rights in in the land of Israel, doesn't grant but recognize. It talks about reconstituting. It talks about a right of return. And it also talks about a system by which minorities living in the land will be respected, will have civil rights, uh, will have religious rights, but not necessarily political rights, because the, the folks back then saw that there was going to be Arab states formed through the mandate but this one was meant to be a small Jewish state. So it was going to be strong Arab states and one small, strong Jewish state, and that's how we were going to have regional harmony, shall we say. Maybe not peace, but harmony. Sadly, uh, that uh, that attitude did not prevail. But that was the original vision.
3: Can I, can I also, Yishai, can I, can I make one further point, which sort Please. of complements what you said, which is that um, not only was the, the Balfour Declaration um, made essentially made part of a legal treaty at San Remo and then in the british mandate or the the the, the league of nations mandate for palestine um handed to britain but also the the the, the rights of the jewish people as well as other pe- the arab peoples in their in their countries were enshrined in the charter of the united nations when the united nations was first found. so the legal rights of the jewish people to to, to their own homeland in the land of palestine now called israel um then called israel as well but uh, but you know that more widely known as palestine by that, is um it is is it's not just a, some anachronism from history it was it was enshrined in the un charter um and of course you know it's since then it, obviously after you know after the Um, the the mandate was given to the UK, we said we weren't going particularly to speak about this, but I'll just mention it. After the mandate was given to the UK, the UK reneged on that mandate. And why did the UK renege on it? Because the UK came under enormous pressure from the Arab population in the Middle East uh, to restrict Jewish immigration or even prevent any Jewish immigration into the land. And Britain succumbed to that pressure, I'm afraid to say. Churchill hated it. Churchill Stood up against the government as it as it sort of caved into this Arab pressure, um, but it but it maintained and it was it persisted right the way through that same pressure and Britain's same policies um, persisted right the way through until the um, the war of independence in 1948 and even beyond then. But I'm very pleased to say that today I think Britain has a um, you know has in in many ways certainly officially in in terms of the government has restored its previous stance towards israel we are we are you know i'd say britain and israel apart from maybe britain and the us we are two of the closest allies and it's 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 based partly on trade and economy partly on military and intelligence cooperation i don't think there's any closer intelligence allies in the world than than britain and israel the united states etc um so it, it you know it's it's a um uh, it, it, it it's it's often below the radar horizon because of the political sensitivities shameful though that is to say um of uh of um uh, of openly and, and positively supporting and backing israel i do believe that that's going to get even better it's good at the moment i think it's going to get even better as britain uh, completely leaves the eu when we we're, we're we're able to shrug off the um the, the you know the, the eu's over, overwhelming anti-Israel stance, uh, and hopefully revert to being, you know, again the people that led directly led, I think, to the recreation of the state of Israel, as I mentioned, by through both the Balfour Declaration in 1917 and the destruction of the Ottoman Empire in 1917-1918. And I think, you know, I started off by saying I think that the the military campaign by Lord Allen by Lord Allenby in 1917 18 was was at least as significant as Balfour Declaration. The reason I say that is because if he hadn't defeated the Turks um, in the land of Palestine, then why would they not still be running it today? Why would they still not be there today? And if they were still running it, would there have been a Jewish state recreated? The answer, of course, is a very resounding no.
0: Well... You're absolutely right. And I want to, you know, I, I honor you as, as a kind of emissary of that way of uh, thinking and acting all the way from, from General Allenby to, to yourself, to Boris Johnson. And uh, yes, we, 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 there were also dark periods, but today we celebrate the great periods. And today we're celebrating 72 years of, uh, of Israeli independence, Jewish independence in the land of Israel, and also 100 years since the San Remo Accords, which brought the Balfour Declaration out of just British, pol- British uh, uh, like policy, and there was an, it, was, it was even less than policy, it was like a, 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 a kind of position paper, into international law, and really began the process of reconstit- reconstituting the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Colonel Richard Kemp, you're a great fighter around the world for British interests, but you've also been a great fighter for justice, and within that, the cause of Israel. I want to thank you and wish you a happy Yom Atzmod.
3: Thank you very much. It's a great pleasure. Great pleasure speaking to you. I hope to see you soon in the promised land.
0: That's right. As we say, next year in person. Right? (laughs) I hope this year. (laughs) Very good. Richard, thank you so much for being with us.
3: Thank you very much, Shishai.
2: This week, Jeremy Gimpel with a special important message on the final return of Israel. Every individual has divine providence in their life because Abraham was just one man. He was one family, and the Jewish people are an extension of just this one promise given to one man. And as his destiny unfolds through us, the world sees that everyone has a destiny. For the full show, click on Jeremy Gimpel on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.
0: Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Shai Fleisha Show broadcasting live from Judea. Obviously, from, if you're watching on Zoom, it's, uh, it's from my uh, little man cave here uh, in Judea. Uh, and uh, this is, you know, a small, a small tiny place of respite, uh, of, of trying to find some, um, some, some peace, uh, because there are two kinds of people in this world, ones with small children in the house and ones that don't have it. And I'm of the, of the kind that have children in the house. And so is Rabbi Mike
4: Foyer, who joins us, Rabbi Mike. Shalom and welcome. Shalom and welcome uh, from the hiding of my bedroom, actually. Right. I don't even have a separate man cave. I'm just in the only space that I can call my own.
0: Right. But this is, you got like a, you got like a, literally a white wall, not a white wall, like a white wall behind you. And you're like, in your like,
4: you know, this is better than the dirty laundry on the other side.
0: (laughs) There's a song, you know, (laughs) Ha Cheder HaIntimishali. You remember that's an Israeli song? <laughs> Maybe I sang it before on the show. And, and that's where we're at these days. You, you know, Rabbi Mike, um, we're talking today on, first thing, we're on the Land of Israel Network. Yishai Your Fleischer's show, yourself, if, if I haven't mentioned it, you're, you're an educator, uh, um, a counselor, and, and also the uh, founder of the... And a damn good man. <laughs> that's right. The, the Jewish Story right. Podcast here on the Land of Israel Network. Uh, I haven't mentioned that at some time. Um, Today is Yom HaShoah, Israel Holocaust Remembrance Day. We'll get to that in a second. And we're on the way now towards uh, Yom Hazikaron, Israel Memorial Day. And then on to Yom HaAzmod, Israel Independence Day. So we're right in the swing of a very uh, powerful kind of holiday season. Uh, The modern holidays, the Zionist holidays. uh, Right, that's right. right. But if you notice, I'm wearing blue and you're wearing white. And together,
4: together we're patriots.
0: Together we, we form Voltron. Um, uh, yeah. But before we get to that, I actually want to make one comment about, about Corona life. That's what I call it. I call it Corona life. Right? L'chaim. So one comment on Corona war, life, war. which Not is... Um, you remember that verse um, in, um, in, the, in, in the story of Noah, the story of, of Noah's Ark, that, that when it's time to uh, take out the animals, when, it, when it's landing time and it's over and, and it's cool, it's time to get back to normal living, like the animals are a little bit stuck inside the ark. They're not ready to kind of be reanimated. Uh, there, there's something about it all, which is Correct. like you, you, when you go into hibernation, think about it, just like waking up in the morning. You go into hibernation, it's not so easy to get out of hibernation. And, and you go into a deep sleep this or deep freeze, it's not so easy to come out of the deep freeze. And I'm, by the way, I'm absolutely certain uh, that the resurrection of the dead is going to be like that as well. It's not easy to resurrect the dead. It's As we know from chapter 37 of the book of Ezekiel, it's a thing. And so one Take thing I'm, like, right, I'm a little <laughs> bit concerned about is, is like actually coming back out. You become life shy. I actually haven't left the house so much in like a month. Inver- you know, I have here and there, but, like, I'm just saying coming back out into a hyper-fast world uh, is, you know, a, a world that you have to balance all the time. Uh, is, 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 uh, is I mean, I hope, and Bezrat Hashem, we should come out of this and de- defeat this disease. But do, but do you hear what I'm saying with that concern and fear?
4: Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, we've been institutionalized on some level. <laughs> right? You've seen Shawshank Redemption, I'm guessing right i mean the that that is on some level what we've all been experiencing obviously in a very small and eh, i don't mean to compare us to being you know life in prison but um but you know in, in terms of coming out into that fast paced crazy world being life shy my hope is that we'll come out with more wisdom about what's actually important and it's one of the things that's been so dominant in my mind you keep hearing this phrase essential services you're allowed out of the house mm. for essential activities people who, who are participating in essential services are allowed to go to work and it just raises the question like hmm what's all the other stuff like if right. it's non-essential then then maybe we could be doing a lot of other things with those resources with those human hours with what have you I mean listen people need to work and they need to eat and it's a desperate situation out there for a number of people um, but, but it, it does beg the question of, of, are we able to maintain the distinction that we've been gifted with between what's essential and what's not in a way that will allow for a rebuilding of life on more essential foundations. Another question that, that
0: I have about this time is about our brothers and sisters in the United States and the, uh, incredible, uh, ferocity with which this, uh, a plague has has plagued them, uh, and I I wonder that here in Israel we just had a forty year old forty eight year old man with get this fourteen children pass away fourteen kids, yes. forty eight years old fourteen kids, and and we lost them uh, yesterday, and um y- you know for for everyone who 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 has a who suffers like that that is uh, a, a, an indescribable disaster but but still on the on the grand scale like you see american jewelry, especially new york american jewelry, really being hit so hard and i just wanted to and here in israel where we feel somehow protected if it's maybe by the good work of prime minister netanyahu and his team or maybe maybe very kind of um uh, what's the word when you can really feel the sensory feeling very, very uh, visceral, viscerally uh, by the hand of God. I think a lot of people feel that, that there's like a hand of God that's protecting us here.
4: And, and I would say, by the way, that I don't really distinguish between the two. Not that I'm saying that Netanyahu is the hand of God, right. but, um, but, but in, in the sense that like the, the, what it means to live in the land of Israel is to live an embodied divine existence. The fact that we have a government where, um, you know, where Pesach was a primary concern, that our government put literally something like two billion shekels into the bank accounts of every family in the country, knowing that Pesach was going to be difficult, that they tried to airlift eggs. Granted, you know, the exodus, as you called it, right, was, was not entirely successful, but but, but, the, well, but the wait, wait 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 that, that was what we say <laughs> that, <laughs> we
0: were we were in we were in exile what? and so before we were in. Egg, that's my, we sister, in my exile. daughter we were in exile and so we needed an exodus to to bring you know to bring the eggs back right. to the land of israel
4: and then i, I, you I told you i made it through i made it through Chag with eight eggs you yeah, yeah, in the merit of our good friend Zeb Ornstein. Yeah Fed have long and healthy life. I
0: mean, I mean. I was this is just a joke here, but I was in the supermarket with my face mask on and there was no eggs and I and there was like a lot of people around me at at safe distances and I'm like, this is because of Zara La And everybody's like
4: (laughs) (laughs) No! You actually said that.
0: I said it out loud. Like, like, I'm like, it's because of Zara And everybody was like, uh, uh everybody like looked inward, it was like, Ooh. you know, okay. Ooh. I'm not going <laughs> to translate that. And, and Hamei Vinyavin, you know, that's it.
3: <laughs> that's, right, it. that's it. That's <laughs> it.
0: By the way, I, I'll translate what Hamei Vinyavin says. So, it means he who understands, understands. And and you could look it up if you want. Yeah, we're that, not, not going to get no, too no. That's it. Uh, speaking.
4: <laughs> no, we go speak,
0: Speaking of uh, of uh, of plagues, uh, we have a Torah portion um, that um, that talks about um, that talks about skin lesions and lesions on the house and and le- and different kinds of lesions. It's it's one of the more cryptic Torah portions. Um, um, it's twofer. It's a two for th- this year because we do not have a leap year, so we're reading Tazria Metzora. It starts actually with uh, with with birth, with Jewish birth, and with the offerings that a, that a woman has to bring um, after 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 bearing after bearing a child, and and different uh, different uh, korbanot, f- different offerings depending if it's a, if it's a girl or a boy. So that's how the Torah portion starts out with which is, in a sense, you know, quite hopeful. And, uh, you know, yes, childbirth comes with pain, with bleeding, and with a certain bit of tum'ah, which is ritual, um, what do you call that? Uh, Ritual uh, impurity. Impurity, Uh, But then the Torah portion goes into these lesions. So you start off with something that's kind of, you know, okay, this is life, and it's got an element of death in it. But... Why does it make that transition from 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 childbirth to this whole world of like skin lesions that come through
4: sin? I think that the fundamental principle of um, tuman Tarav, purity and impurity, and, and I'm I'm always wary of translating those terms because the baggage, the cultural context of the words purity and impurity in right. English is a very different context than that in Hebrew. Um, a, but I think the most basic principle is that anything that has potential for purity also has potential for, great, for impurity, right? And um, I think it's something that, that you've said a number of times on the show, which is that, you know, every opportunity for, for the sanctification of God's name is also a tremendous risk for the desecration of God's name. So here a human being is born into the world, pure but it's bound up with this potential for impurity, right? And, and and therefore, we then get the story of how such a thing can progress, not only in the human, but in the human's possessions, and the dwelling, you know? And it, it just teaches us that um, much of the Torah, most of the Torah, is devoted to how one serves God, how one makes oneself not only pure, but holy. And that's, of course, the central world will we'll, we'll, we'll be there quite soon. And we've been there, For the rest of this book, you know, Vaikra is devoted to the concept of holiness. But just to remember that that the same people who have a potential for holiness have a potential for the stain of impurity. Mm
0: -hmm. By the way, I I noticed
4: sort of one of the uh, fundamental.
0: I I noticed you made a distinction between uh, purity and holiness, and that, of course, is the Ramchal's uh, famous kind of uh, idea that purity is the thing. That that gives your vessel the opportunity to to get the kind of the, the holiness power. Let's let's think of it this way: it's like a mug. Purity is when you clean it and you really prepare it. Holiness is when somebody comes in, yeah. and and pours an amazing cup of coffee. It. Yeah, exactly.
4: Um, one of the one yeah, of the. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that, that that purity is the gateway to holiness. Right. It's it's, that it's a gateway which, drug. Which which is that what you're saying. Pairs us, but it removes. Yeah. Well, no. Come on. Uh, it, it it removes the barriers, right? It, and um, because holiness is always an act of intimacy, right? And that's why the last sort of bastion mm. of purity as a practice within Jewish life today, as long as the temple hasn't been rebuilt, we should merit to see it. But until then, the last bastion is in the intimate relationships within marriage. That there is. I, I love I love this phrase it's called Tarata the this
0: is an amazing phrase that, that that you've come up with, in my opinion, which is uh, which is that holiness is an act of intimacy. I love it. I love that. I love that phrase. I love that phrase. I think that's fabulous. Well, think about what's in the Kodesh Kodashim. Right. Mm-hmm. Love. That's at the heart of it. Intimacy. And you can and love. only ever be there alone. Right.
4: Right. Yeah, and you can only ever be
3: there alone.
0: So so I just I just want to tell you a little story. Um, my uh, my kids, oh. um, got for one of their Uffy Komen presents or whatever they got uh, uh, this triad of of DVDs uh, about uh, I forgot what it's called Night at the Museum. It's with Ben Aff not Ben Affleck. What's his name? Oh gosh, Ben I forgot his name. Night of the uh, Living Dead.
4: You got your kids Night of the Living Dead.
0: <laughs> what? No, not not Night of the Living Dead. The, the, Sorry, no, this hurt you. I know it's 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 this Night at the Museum. Ben Stiller. That's what it is. Basically, it's got like an Egyptian tablet a magical tablet, and that tablet brings the whole museum to life at night times. So it's got a shtickle of, uh, it's got a little bit of, of you know, these uh, silly ideas of like Egyptology and stuff, but really it's a nice movie and it's very fun and all those things come to life. If it's, you know, the animals and uh, all kinds of miniature people and all kinds of stuff that's found at the Museum of Natural History comes to life, it's really fun. But my, my son says to me, was this tablet a real thing, says my son to me. So I said to him, absolutely not. But there is a tablet like that. I said to him, there is something like that that gives life to things. So he said to me, what? I said to him, a mezuzah. I said to him, the mezuzah is affixed to our, to our doors, and it brings the energy of God into our life. And it turns us from just uh, kind of uh, talking animals to really people who follow the ways of God and bring God into their, into their house. And I said to him, so, so there is a tablet like that, that enlivens us and, and, and makes us from mere bones and, and flesh into, into really spiritual creatures, the mezuzah. And, and then I told him also the difference that I think between a mezuzah and a tefillin. I said to him, the tefillin is the man's scroll. Man, ostensibly, man is on the move. He's out. He's, he's out there working. Uh, while the woman, I don't mean this uh, to limit anybody, but archetypally I'm speaking, the archetype woman energy is like, she's the, the controller of the house. The house is her. The house is a kind of womb where everything kind of grows. Uh, and so she's got the scroll and the men have the scroll and, and these scrolls are affixed to our, to our basically to our, to our homes and, and our bodies. Uh, and they, and they enliven us. And he really liked that. He really liked that. He really felt uh, that, that like he gave him a, and I, and I tried to give him the image, like, look at this. This is a glow. Like imagine it lighting up and lighting up this room and lighting, lighting up our life. So, so that's, a, that's a little bit of that act of intimacy that, that, that you spoke about. Speaking of homes, there's also mitzora on the homes. There's also this, this lesion on the houses. Now, every, every good pro-Israel Zionist person loves this part of the story, right? Because, um, because Rashi tells us that when you would get a house legion, you would kind of um, have to take parts of that, that house, those bricks that have been <laughs> infected out. You do Shipputzim. Uh, which which means like a Israeli, um, a home repair, fix it, right? F- Fixer upper, and then you would find some of the treasures that were left behind by the Canaanites uh, in the houses that you inherited. Which which I think I take it to mean, in simple terms, that um, that bad stuff that happens to us in life, if you dig a little deeper, you're going to find the treasure behind it. You're going to find the treasure, like.
4: And I would point out that that you know the Zionist side to that is that that only occurred, of course, in the land of israel right and I, and and so, to extend your metaphor is that the ability to to um dig into the difficulties of life and find the blessing which is within them, which I agree with you, it's always there. that ability though depends on having a strong enough vessel to hold it right right And that goes back to this uh, comment you made earlier, is that um here in the state of Israel, which is on part of the land of Israel, um, we, we have a strong vessel that allows us to hold. This corona situation is very difficult, and you know the death of this young father is a tragedy. But, but, but we're, we have the, the, the vessel here to hold this situation in a much stronger way than our brothers and sisters in America, because they're not sovereign. Mm-hmm. They're a minority within a country, which is yeah. struggling with a very real challenge.
0: Yeah, uh, I read an article. Actually, Malka read it to me, um, and and basically, basically, the guy who was visiting America, and he said, "Listen, when you're sick and you can't go to shul in America, you are a total autonomous. You you are no longer bound into the the general thing because you don't have the thing that that envelops you and brings you together, which is the synagogue that central uh, th- that central mechanism to bring Jews together, and so you've you're left totally." Um, detached. Obviously, Hello? there's there's great efforts at Chesed, and you know, great efforts of Chesed. By the way, like for example, somebody told me, I heard this also that that the Satmar Rebbe turned the whole Beit Midrash into a hospital. Just closed down wow. the Beit Midrash, turned it into a ventilator hospital for his people. So wow. that's so there is great Chesed, but still though, uh, th- there's definitely a challenge out there uh, uh, when you're when you're facing the situation more more alone than we feel here in Israel. Speaking of, of feeling alone and challenged, today is Yom HaShoah, one of the most powerful days uh, on the Israeli Jewish calendar, and it remembers uh, the six million. And it, and it more than remembers, the, uh, you know, when you say the word six million, it starts to sound a little, I don't know, you know, when it, when it gets down to stories and the Israelis, yeah, exactly. You, you made the fly over the head sign. When you, when you, um, when you get down to nitty gritty stories, you are so touched and moved and the miracles, the miracles. So last night, I was watching Israeli TV, and they had these great, great films about, about what happened to the Shoah. And one of them was about this little Hungarian lady. When I say little, she was little. She's one of the youngest survivors because she was born in Auschwitz. Wow. In 1944, she was born in Auschwitz. And, was, and was, her mother was, hit her. Yeah, it, she was literally born a few weeks before liberation and her mother hit her and people helped and she hit her in, 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 newspapers. Now this little girl couldn't walk for years cause she was so malnourished. And I think she only took her first steps at the age of seven, something ridiculous. And people said that she wasn't going to make it. And she ended up having two kids and, uh, and she goes to, to, uh, to Auschwitz like every year, or every other year, what, and had a beautiful granddaughter with her. What, what a story of, 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 uh, of, of unbelievable self-sacrifice to survive. And, and that, that, like, that was my Yom HaShoah. That did it for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That really, really did it for me. I want to tell you one more thing about Yom HaShoah. On Zoom, you can see it. Do you see this picture behind me? Oops, I moved the wrong way. Do you see this picture of my mic behind one? me? The one. Yeah, Isaac? yeah, Yeah, it's a needle point of Akidat Yitzchak. Not everybody likes it because it's a little raw. I
4: personally love it, but I don't like needlepoint.
0: So. <laughs> well, guess what? Oh, Malk and I were reading Isaac Bat Sheva Singer, and he was telling the story of, of this kind of needle point of Akidat Yitzchak. He mentioned that. Oh, yeah. He mentioned this thing. So, so, so and, and the reason I say this, the reason I point to this is because you, you're going to love this story. Rabbi Mike, you're going to love this one. I had Christiana Amonpour at my house when I was living in Jerusalem. Right? Remember that oh, famous TV show? So she goes yeah, to me. Yeah. So, so why do you have this picture of uh, of of the sacrifice of Isaac? Is it like she like ins- insinuated that like I'm some kind of Bible nut or something like that?
4: Right? I was ready to kill his children for the sake. that. Right?
0: Right, willing to do anything to hold on yeah. to the land, including killing Arabs, whatever, right?
4: And, and your own children, right? Right, my old chil- Right, exactly.
0: You're willing to put your children in this dangerous situation because you guys are crazy like yeah, Abraham. Yeah. So I said to her, well, you know, the real meaning of this needlepoint is that my wife's grandmother, who was an Auschwitz survivor, made it after she came out of the camps. And we honor her survival and, and the incredible challenge that the Jewish people have gone through to, to, to survive till today.
4: <laughs> That's it. I didn't say another she's, thing. She's like she's like cut. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was like moving, moving
3: on. Moving on. I moving, on. It into the interview.
4: moving on.
0: So so just just to, just for a second, this this these this triad, Yomashua, Yom, yom, ha-zikaron, yom Tell me a little bit about that uh, that thing. And and oh, and coupled with that is I guess the Shabbat of Pesach, where we read about the dry bones. The dry yes. bones, which is really a vision of the resurrection of the Jewish people in the land of Israel after some kind of huge disaster where there's all these dead Jews and they're reborn, re-embodied, as you say.
4: You know, I mean, I mean if I was going to go with that metaphor from Yechezkel, right, that, that um, the, the Shoah is, the, is really the low point of Jewish history, I mean. It's true it didn't strike every Jew, but if you look at us as a collective body, this is the point in which that, that we had no ability to act for ourselves. And yet, within a matter of a decade, we had a military that was able to compete with not just the surrounding Arab armies, but even you know sought as an ally by the European powers. And so there's a sense in Yom Hazikaron that the Monsieur like Nefesh that self sacrifice that you're speaking about in this story of this woman born in Auschwitz but it's not just a self sacrifice one of the things that people misunderstand about the binding of Isaac is that it's a commitment to life it's a story about a commitment to life but it's not life of a small l not my life it's not the humanism of the human life is the ultimate value it's life with a capital l Right, which comes from God, right? That's the life that flows into the world, into the wholeness of the Jewish people. Which is why the the a soldier that dies in battle, in many ways, is more alive than anyone else could ever be, because they are taking their small l life and releasing it for the sake of the larger life, and. That, you know, is that turning point between Yom HaShoah and Yom HaZikaron. And ultimately, Yom HaAtzma'ut tells us why did this soldier do that? Because Atzma'ut, as we spoke about not long ago before the show, right, Atzma'ut doesn't really mean independence. It means self-actualization. Right? You know, that, that, that famous poem, Alamagash Keseh, right? The, that, that we were handed the, the state on a silver platter, referring to the lives of those who sacrificed in order to give us a platform which creates an obligation. And I say that without hesitation. We have an obligation to every young man and woman who has sacrificed their life, and even those who have lived but have sacrificed the years of their life. They be, should be healthy and well lived live to 120, but still, people like yourself, right, they, they sacrifice years of their life in order to create a society. And that obligation is to use it to actualize not only ourselves, not only the capacity of the Jewish people, but in service of the divine vision for the world. That's kind of how I see that, uh, that triad, as you called it, and all that is is on on
0: route towards. Uh, it's it's between um, the Exodus, which is the the kind of two days of Passover. The first day is is leaving Egypt. The last day is the splitting of the Red Sea. Towards and then it's got all these holidays in the middle. All these important dates along the way, all the way towards that pinnacle, which is Shavuot, accepting the Torah. Uh, at Sinai, and and the the Kabbalah basically explains that that the difference between Shavuot and and Pesach is, is that Pesach you kind of get it from God; it came top down. He just hands it over to you. You're a baby, and he feeds you. Then you go through a process yeah. of of earning it, earning it, earning it, getting it, getting it, self sacrifice, growth, uh, effort, and 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 you hit it at the point where you're like at Sinai, you're like, I'm not I'm not a baby anymore. I I I I, I want to, to be your servant. I, I, I'm here to serve God. I'm here as a grown-up. Uh, I'm, I'm doing this by choice, as you said. Um, and, and that's the, the, the path that we're on. And we're also on that path nationally right now. We were given, we, we had a Holocaust. We had all these wars foisted upon us. Now we're in the process of maybe we're post-war, maybe, maybe, God, you maybe. know, God willing. Uh, and now exactly. we're in the process of trying to figure out who we are. And, and you, you always talk about this, like the vision. The vision of, of where we're going with all this. And I, and I got a feeling that at the 72 year mark of, uh, of Independence Day and the 100 year mark of, uh, of the declaration, declaration at San Remo recognizing uh, a vision of, of uh, Jewish sovereignty in the land of Israel 100 years ago by the allied powers that, that destroyed the, uh, that won the war and destroyed the, uh, the Ottoman Empire and carved it up, I think that we are at a moment where we, we are. I feel like we, we want to ask ourselves a bigger question of like, I think we're ready now to be like, where are we really going? Where where are we going? I, I think the nation wants to ask that question.
4: now. Listen, I'll give you the Kabbalah. Since you brought up the Kabbalah, right, I'm sure you're familiar with the idea that there are various names of God that are embedded in our tradition. And one of them, perhaps the most powerful and sacred, is the 72-letter name of God. Right. If you're, if you're familiar with the origin of the 72 letter name of God, which we're not going to discuss right now, but it's bound up with the verses around the splitting of the Red Sea. Right. Which means that the, that the splitting of the Red Sea was a revolution in creation, which brought a new name of God into the world. Right? It's a, the world will never be the same after such a thing. Right? And in the same way, the 72 years of Israel, I really feel like, is an invitation to say, well, what's the new name of God that's come into the world with the birth of the state? Mm-hmm. And not just as a, as a, as a new like, term for reference to the deity. That's not what it means. It's a name which allows for a different consciousness, a different way of being in the world. This is one of the challenges that we face as a people, is that we haven't really internalized how fundamentally different the world we live in is than the one whose wisdom that we've inherited. And I'm not one of these people that says you should chuck out the baby with the bathwater and we should just start again. But I am a believer that we need to actually ask the deep questions about how do we embrace our tradition while at the same time moving forward into a future which is in many ways new. And I think that that's part of the struggle and the conversation that we need to be having right now. It goes back to this corona situation. Right. So much that wasn't working for the world could fall could fall by the wayside right now. Or we could get let out like, you know, kids, you know, you've even seen these jokes that all these people in their um, in their sort of like fifties and sixties have been writing on social media. Wow, I feel like I'm a kid again. Gas is cheap and I'm grounded, right? Um, the like the, we can very easily just go right back when we get out of our rooms. My um, hope is that we won't. My yeah. hope is that we'll really take this opportunity and think about how the world will never be the same again.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think Good. you're right. I think it is a massive opportunity. I think a lot of people have done introspection. I, I do foresee people coming out and saying to themselves, okay, I got my 50, 40, 30, 20 years to live. I'm going to live it. I'm going to live it and, yeah. in every way. I'm going to learn that Torah. I'm going to make that Aliyah. I'm going to buy that apartment in Jerusalem. I'm, gonna, I'm just, I'm just going to go crazy. I'm going I'm to ask that girl to marry me. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid, uh, and I think people are gonna. I think there's or gonna. I'll be... tighten that. I said
4: I won't let my fear stop me from losing mm. my life. Good, because Good, I like that. Because you know, sometimes fear is just reality. Yeah, yeah, but it's not easy to have to prevent you. That's what courage is. Yeah, no, yeah,
0: courage. It's the it's the flexing of the muscle of courage. Right. It's 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 a muscle you have to yep. you have to actually flex. Okay, so Rabbi Mike, I want to uh, wish you a. Um, a powerful uh, Yom HaShoah memorial. Um, may we merit to, to live a life that gives life to, to the six million. Uh, and thank you for also mentioning the, 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 the life, the, the enlivenment of the, I don't know how to say it, the, 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 those who sacrificed their lives for the state of Israel for our defense. Uh, we, we thank them and we honor them. Again, we're gonna live a life as meaningful as possible. Uh and 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 like, you know, when you when you strike me down, I just get more powerful. Uh and I, I think of that, by the way, I think of that line when I think about Ari Fold. I think to myself, Ari went down, Ari was a friend, he was a colleague, he was a neighbor. You strike down Ari, he's not replaceable as a he's not he's you can't replace him. But you could take his individual. place right you can 't replace him, but you could take his yeah. place in the line and, and, you, and you, get, you, get, you get more power maybe that 's also what we learned from, from uh, alicia uh, elijah and alicia it 's like before you go, give me make sure I got twice as much power from you. you know what I mean Let, let me re- yeah. refract it even even let me let me re- reflect it even bigger and that 's what I think about about Arifold and finally, a happy yomatsmaood enjoy your your vegetarian barbecue I, I know that you are considered one of the greatest vegetarian barbecuers alive today. Of
4: a generation.
0: Yeah, you're 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 one of the leaders of the generation when it comes to, to vegetarian. Well, it's barbecue. hard
4: to, it's actually hard to barbecue a vegetarian because they fight when you put them on the grill. <laughs> That's
0: true. Sorry. Are we going back yes, to the uh, to the to the to the binding? I'm just you talking call me a
4: vegetarian
3: to, barbecuer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just I'm just talking about putting up a, a, um, a an eggplant, you know. What's your, like, number one? What's your, like, what's your, what's your best surprising uh, barbecue vegetable?
4: I don't, I mean, in, in all honesty, when I barbecue, I do it for my kids. I make the meat. I don't, I don't even bother.
0: Oh, but you don't eat the I meat?
3: It may, sound, it may sound a little disappointed. But,
0: but, but, okay, but what is your best vegetable that you barbecue?
4: Uh, I, I do like roasting peppers and, uh, on, the, on the grill. I think that that's probably, <laughs> it's simple.
0: Yeah, I thought you were going to say squash or something, you know? All right.
4: Yeah, you know, I, so. <laughs> I, I, just, I just feel like, you know, the grill is not a place for a vegetarian to really seek their sustenance. That's just how I feel.
0: Okay, well, I want to we bless you. Kiss. I want to bless you with sustenance, and I know that you're going to be eating meat when the Beta Mikdash comes. So, so, I, so, I, so I hope that you shame. eat meat soon. Wink, wink. Amen. God bless you, folks, wherever you are. Rabbi Mike Foyer, say thank you so much for for being with us today. Uh, and uh, strong memories, strong blessings. And thank you for that thought about seventy-two years and seventy-two letters of God, and a new a way of of bringing kind of God into this world, a new world that can be reborn after this thing. All right, folks, thank you so much for joining me here on the Land of Israel Network. Lots of blessings to you wherever you are. Lots of love. Lots of healing. Lots of healing. Lots of lots of prayer and meditation. And, and let's, though we are physically apart, let us get even closer together, all of us, one to one another, one to our family members, to our dogs, to the air, to the sky above, to the God that is everywhere, to the Torah. This is a chance to really embrace things that the pace of life has not allowed us to. And of course, with that, I also send all of you a blessing, whoever needs it, for speedy recovery, for friends and family, and, and for blessings of total health and strength once again for, for the whole world. God bless you, folks, wherever you are. Shalom, and thank you for being with us. Lots of love from the land of Israel, from the land of love, from the land of blessings. Shalom.